I must admit, I didn't think much of this show the first time I laid eyes on it. Seemed like a bunch of stiffs wasting nice the microphones. The of all time happened back in 1803. Go ahead. Napoleon Bonaparte traded the Louisiana Purchase for $3 million. Napoleon, what happened? <laughs> Half the country for $3 million. You can't even get Tucker Barnhart for $3 million. Then I came to realize anymore. these guys are funny. And Justin Fields have identical stats the last five weeks about throwing the football. This guy, okay, and folks, is a fidget spinner. some of the best spare. gamblers I've come to know. If you're betting on USC and or TCU, let it be known, you are a square. TCU is going to hammer this team tomorrow night. I hate to hear that. Tomorrow when we afternoon. come back in here on Monday, you're going to be happy as a lark because USC lost, but you're going to be wrong about TCU. Get ready for the most useless hour of your day. It's time for Boxed Lunch, presented by Betfred Sportsbook. Now, Casey... Run that track. This kind of hits, Casey. Here we go, Casey. This kind of hits, if we're being honest. I just imagine Casey running through every single one of these tracks, hitting play. Listen to about 10 to 15 seconds of each one of these tracks, realizing if he likes it or not. Probably got like every bit of uh... I gotta, I, I gotta give it to you, Casey. I, I don't know how long you take to, to uh, listen to these royalty-free tracks, but that one wasn't bad. That one wasn't bad. I don't know if it's as good as Tom Petty, but it's not too bad. All right. Let's get into it. Most useless hour of your day. Uh, I got some relatively big news today. Um, thank you, as always, to Bedfred Sportsbook, the, uh, the sponsor of the show, Box Lunch. Um, we'll get into a little bit of them later. I know uh, we were all somewhat let down on opening day, but we're back here on Monday, and you know what? The Cincinnati Reds are in first place in the NL Central, so we're just going to say that as long as we can because we know what the, the reality is. It's probably not going to be able to be said for too long, so we'll keep it going. Um, you can see the link right there. Casey just put it in the chat. Uh, that is the link for Chatterbox Idol. I am going to do a little bit of a spiel here that we'll probably clip up and hopefully put on social media, but listen... One of the things that happens when I, when I tell people what I do or tell them what my job is, the first thing they always assume or say is that, oh man, that must be fun. That must be nice. That must be an easy job. And you know what? For all intents and purposes, they're relatively right. But here's the thing. I always am asked, do you have any opportunities? Uh, can I intern? Or do, what, 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 what could I possibly do to help out and maybe get my foot in the door? Well, here's the deal. Relatively straightforward. There's a link right now on Indeed that's in the chat. We'll put it out on social media and that you click on it. Put your resume in there. We're going to select the top 15 people, and it, it is going to be as strict as it can possibly be. We're going to put you right here on this set. You're going to do your own show, your own bit, and we'll let the chat decide whether or not you stick for the next round. And if you do, we'll do one more round, and then we'll select the winner from there. It will be a paid internship, although it will not be um, what I would call lucrative, life-changing life money. But you know what? It'll be a little bit of a paid internship, and we'll see if you stick. And if we, can, if we think that we got some momentum, we can go out and sell the show. Next thing you know, you might have to tell your boss that you currently know that you're going somewhere else. We'll see. But from now on, maybe we do this maybe. This is a big maybe. Maybe this is what we do once a year. Maybe this is how we add talent around here. We don't go around looking for people with great resumes. Why would we do that? We'll just hold Chatterbox Idol every year. Find our talent within. They do it for tryouts for the Reds, right? You can go down there and try out for the Reds. I think Everett brings up a good good point here. We, Leif Erickson should get all veto power on decisions when it comes to Chatterbox Idol and other things. I'm a big fan of Leif Erickson. Yeah. Yeah. Could be a possibility. Leif Erickson. Proud of him. 
as you should be as well. Um, all right, let's jump into the next subject, Chatterbox Changes, because this kind of goes right in line with, uh, with the opportunity that exists with Chatterbox Idol. So here's the situation. Uh, you've heard me say this last week, filling in for Tom. This is uh, relatively difficult to manage uh, hosting a show, doing a good job, and then on top of that, going around doing some of the things that I need to do. Having said that, today, and it's not like I'm going anywhere. I'll probably pop in here from time to time. Today is going to be my last show until farther notice of Box Lunch. I do have plans on still doing content in some form or fashion. Obviously, I'm doing Chatterbox Reds with Nick Kirby all year long. But we're in a position now where I do want to make some elevated changes going into this summer. And I know that people are asking for merch. We're going to get some merch. I like to get some written content, create a whole new website, have a little bit of uh, maybe a multimedia blog type and then on top of that, elevate our YouTube channel and bring you more Cincinnati sports content, uh, content, content excuse me, in a, in a bunch of different mediums. Um, and real, relatively speaking, my job, although it is fun to sit up here and talk in a microphone, my job more importantly is to try to put people in the best position to win here. And on top of that, make Chatterbox um, as good of a company as we can possibly make it. So that's my number one goal while I sit here. So... I know that it sounds as if I'm, uh, I'm, 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 you know, doing something that might be of of a, de a degrading thing. However, to be honest with you, as I've said before on this show, we have a lot of talented people here. They'll fill the void. I'm not worried about that. But I do need to try to elevate what we're doing around here, and I think that the summer is an excellent opportunity for that. And to be quite frank, with Chatterbox Reds, uh, on top of the fact that if I have to do this three times a week, it makes it very difficult for me to go around and do the things that I need to do. So, um, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to make a bang going out of the show on the last time. Cause there's a couple things that happened over the weekend that, you know, I don't want to say disappointed me, but I did see the, the chat this morning saying some crazy stuff with the Viking helmet. It's a Viking helmet. Who gives a rat? I mean, that's where I'm at with it. I know that some people are, they might find it a little distasteful if the Reds are down 10 to 2 and there's a solo home run and the next thing you know, they got a Viking helmet on, they're putting a cape on and everybody's having fun. I just, I just don't really, I guess my point is, I just don't think I care enough to make it a talking point. So there it is. That's what I have on the Viking helmet. I'm sure Leif Erickson probably feels the same way as I do. Uh, let's get into the Clark controversy. We'll go around the room as always. We got Paul Fritchner in here, Reed Mouse and Casey McAllister. And I heard a little bit of talk about this on Off the Bench. I think that if you are in a position, and Caitlin Clark, to be fair to her, did not say one thing about how it bothered her in regards to what Reese did of LSU. I understand why if you're just tuning in, you might have a little distaste for what you've seen because uh, Angel Reese kind of went a little bit over the top with it. But at the same time, if you're going to dish it out, and that's what Caitlin Clark does, she dishes it out. You have to be able to take it. And let's be honest, Caitlin Clark is the reason that most of the people tuned in to watch that basketball game last night, so she should hold her held up high regardless of what happens. However, Angel Reese has every right to do what she did. And at the end of the day, who cares? If you're going to get into the Dave Portnoy thing, I've seen him do this time to time. The reason Dave Portnoy was acting that, one, acting that way at the beginning was because he had a large substantial bet on Iowa. And then you turn that around and he realized he was getting he was getting attention for the way that he was acting towards this quote-unquote classless operation. So Portnoy does what he always does, which is try to seek as much attention as you possibly can because that inevitably bad press, good press motto, which is all press is good press, that's what he always does. So I don't even I don't even read into all that. I know that it 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 got blown out of proportion, is what I'm getting at. And I feel as if LSU deserved to win the game. Paul said it about as eloquently as you could say it before the show started. The, the talking point, for the most part for me, could have been the refs. It doesn't mean the refs made one impact, one iota on the, on the eventual outcome of the game. Because they did not. LSU played better. They hit their shots. Um, I should know the girl's name that came off the bench off the top of my head that scored 21 points, was perfect from the field. She was 7 for 7 from the field, 5 for 5 from 3. I don't know her name, so my apologies to her. But I'm not going to sit here and think uh, one iota uh, about that. That was a that, that almost is a non-talking point. That's almost, to, my, that, to where I'm at in this whole situation, I get why it got blown out of proportion, but I'm not going to sit up here and act like, woe is me for Caitlin Clark. 
or Angel Reese. Angel Reese is probably a fine human being. Kalen Clark's a fine human being. They were competing. That's what competitors do. They get a little excited. And I think, if anything, it's good for the, it's good for the sport. Although, although, I have one problem from yesterday. One real problem. That game can't start at 3.30. It's the biggest, that is the, that, in all honesty, was the biggest event going on that day yesterday. And there was a lot of things going on. There was Major League Baseball. There was the PGA Tour. Whether you want to laugh about that or not, it still was going on. The Valero Open was, was a thing. Right? Um, what am I missing here? You had, obviously, the championship. I'm missing one other big thing. You had NASCAR on. So there's a lot of major sporting events going on at one time. And the, 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 the event can't start at 3.30. If, it, if that starts at 7.30, 8 o'clock, then the viewership is even is even greater, in my opinion. You think so? I think so, yes. You think otherwise, and if you do, that's great. Why? I I went back and forth because I didn't – I just assumed that it was going to be a night game. And then I checked the TV and realized it was at 3.30. I I don't know. I, I'm, I want, I'm curious to see the numbers because I do think that there's a happy medium between doing it at – 3.30 in the afternoon and doing it at 9.20 on a Monday night. Uh, yeah, maybe doing it at 6 or 7 could have turned out a little bit more, but I don't know. I, I don't know if I hate that it was at 3.30 in the afternoon, but I, I'd have to see the viewership numbers because if you're going to ask me, it'd probably be at 6 o'clock. You missed the NBA. That's the other big one that was going on. All the NBA games. Well, understood. Yeah. I, we do cover NBA we, we, we all know what happened. Right? Yeah. Uh, Sunday Night Baseball was going on ESPN. They probably didn't want to shift that around. They didn't want to mess with that. They knew that that was on their, their main channel. They also probably had their plans to have the um, the K-Rod broadcast, which I don't know how many people want to watch that and or watch it. I'll be frank. I can't. It's not that I don't even like Alex Rodriguez. I think it's his voice that gets me. I just don't like the way he sounds. He also tries to come off as like funny from time to time, and he's just not humorous at all. He's not funny. He doesn't have it. He's Whatever putting, it is, he doesn't have it. He's putting on an act, and he can't do it. He, yeah. he can't do it. And he needs to just – you know, you know, honestly, what would A-Rod would, would be great if he wants to maybe lean into something? Is we already pretty much all think he's probably a pompous asshole anyways. Maybe he leans into that. Just be the villain on the on these broadcasts. Just just be a little bit unlikable instead of trying to be so like. He seems like a politician is what he seems like. It's a very good way of putting it. He does come off as a, po a politician. In fact, if he was running against Ted Cruz to bring politics into this in Texas, that would be one massive face-off against each other. It would almost feel like they both have the same type of dialect, the way they talk, the way they act. Um, not saying if I like that or not. Just saying that that's what they remind me of. Um, not going to get into Blackburn audio just yet, but I do think that for all intents and purposes, the, the ESPN who had the broadcast rights to both, they decided that they wanted to show major league baseball at night. I think that was a relative mistake. We'll see what happens when the numbers come out. I think the numbers will still be good because that's how big of a draw it was. I just think they would have been bigger if it was later in the evening. And my main argument to that is if it was if it was such a good opportunity to play it in the middle of the day versus at night, then they would do all of their big events at that time frame. But they don't, do they? They play them on Sunday nights. They play them on Monday nights. Why does the NCAA football championships get played on a Monday night instead of a Saturday mid-afternoon like they do all year long? And the answer is quite simply, there's nothing else going on at that specific time, so everybody would tune in. Um, so I was a little disappointed in that. I thought that the, the Kim Mulkey lady is obviously an incredibly good coach. She could easily rub people the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's no doubt about it. The way that she has her antics on the sideline. And I think the biggest disappointment for the most part was that the referees were even a relative talking point into some game that they should have never been. Um, you know who else is a talking point that we will get into maybe a little? Maybe I'll save it for the final four, but do not let me forget about talking about high knees because that guy, he's <laughs> taking his game to a whole other level, let me tell you. The knees are getting higher? The, 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 knees, the knees are getting higher. <laughs> it's unbelievable it's what Jeff Anderson has been able to accomplish this year. I mean, he, he takes it. You, you think that he's at this level in regards to just ridiculousness? He takes it to a whole other level when he gets to the final four. 
And if he's calling that game tonight, do we know what the referees nah, are tonight? No, he won't be doing it tonight. All right, good. I don't know who it is, but he won't be on it tonight. All right, fair enough. Um, let's get into the uh, the Blackburn audio. I know many people that are watching probably already heard this, maybe on uh, Tom's show off the bench. Casey, I don't know if you still have it, but go ahead and just run it again for those that may or may may or may not have heard this from earlier. As it stands right now, is is he in the plans to be the starting running back this upcoming season? Um, right now, he's on the team, and we're, um, you know, we are going to count on him until until that wouldn't be the case. But yeah, he's he's the guy. Um, he's done a lot of great things for the team. I think he's still got a lot of production in him. And um, so um, I hope his other issues all get resolved in a positive way. Um, but we'll um, get to it, Katie. Keep plugging along and hope that Everything gets resolved for him one way or another. And, you know. So is that. All right. One of two things could be here. And this is an angle that I don't think many are taking. I want you to pay attention to what I'm getting ready to say. Joe Mixon might be safe. Because one thing that was going on in that clip was the fact that uh, could could have been her son and or daughter playing in the background. Sounded like they were having one great time. You could hear some bangs going on. Maybe they were maybe they were playing with some stuff they weren't supposed to be playing with. Katie's attention was just completely not focused on the question. And she was trying to figure out whatever the child was doing behind her. And that's why she was slow to getting to the fact that Joe Mixon was still on the team. He's our guy. We'll see about his situation when it gets resolved. One way or another. Um, hey, you've heard me say this from time to time, maybe every single show for the last five shows. This is not a complicated thing. Don't let the blinders cloud your judgment. He's either going to take a pay cut or he's going to get cut. It's as simple as that. He's not playing for the amount of money that he's currently on his contract. I think that the telling thing is going to come to draft day. That's where it's going to lie with me. And I think the Bengals are going to show their hand on draft night of whether or not Joe Mixon will be a part of this team or not. If they select a running back in the first three rounds, I think is the number that I've gotten in my head. Round one, two, and or three. If they decide to select a running back, I think in their mind, they think that Travion Williams could also be a pretty decent player. I don't think, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that he will or won't, but to Reed's point and what he's brought up from time to time on this show, yeah. running backs in this league are a dime a dozen. Wouldn't surprise me one bit if Travion Williams comes out next year and he, he has a quote-unquote breakout year uh, just because he's running behind guys that can block. And guess what? He's an athlete, just like there's a lot of athletes in the NFL. So if I'm Joe Mixon right now, I guess the main question I would have for everyone around the room, if you're in Joe Mixon's shoes, I don't know how much leverage you truly have at the end of the day, but I would at least be trying to get some kind of answer as to where where do where do I truly fit in this system and or franchise right now? Are we are we are we just maybe you'll keep me, maybe you won't? Or where? Because right now it feels like he's just he's got to hang out until June first. It's the date, right, Casey? Is that the yeah. date? Yeah. So he's June 1st. he's got to hang out until June first, and then he's gonna figure out what his fate is with the Cincinnati Bengals. What what? I guess my question to you, Trace, is what was your, you know, if you could sum it up in like one or two sentences, what was your takeaway from the audio that, from this Katie Blackburn audio? Do you think she was hiding something? Do you think, like, what, what was your biggest takeaway from, from the audio itself? I think the audio said two things to me. One, Clay, Katie, I think is, this is my complete opinion, of, of course, of what this is. Mm -hmm. I do not know anything factual what I'm about to say. But I think sometimes in life you get asked a question about something that you just want everyone else to use their own judgment on, and that way you don't have to truly answer it. So if you ask me a question that puts me in a really, really tough spot as a executive and or leadership position, you know you can't come out, and as a reporter, you know I can't come out and say, no, Joe Mixon, we're not, I mean, we can't keep him. We're going to cut him. Have you seen what's going on? We're not, there's no way we're going to pay a running back $12 million. 
you know you can't say that. And you hope, I think from her perspective, this is me reading into it maybe way too much, I think she's tired of the question. She wants people to logically think for themselves of whether or not Joe Mixon is worth the amount of money that he's being asked to play for. And he's, she's, she's saying in a nonchalant way that, yeah, I mean, unless he wants to take a pay cut, he's going to get cut. And the off-the-field issues have not helped the case. And we're in a position now where we're trying to find the next option. That's, what I, that's how I looked at it. Now, I'm not saying that's what she said. But I almost feel like in a roundabout way, she was trying to say it as nice as she could, which is why it took her 10 years to feel like to answer the question. She, she literally was in her own brain trying to formulate a way of saying it without saying it. Maybe I'm reading way too much into that, but that's what I took away from that audio clip. And also, whoever leaked that audio, that seems like a really bad idea. Yeah. I, I, you, you, you have access to obviously being able to talk to Katie. And maybe the, the lady that was asking her the questions wasn't the one that leaked it. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, whoever the lady was that was interviewing her has to feel absolutely awful. And she has to know that whatever relationship she had have been severed for that. And it wasn't even like she, that was a huge gotcha thing either, right? Like if you're going to if you're gonna severance relationships, I would hope that you'd have something a little bit better than that. To, to severance the relationship. Am I being... Is that too harsh? Do you, I mean, do you think that she's in trouble for doing that? I don't I don't, I don't. know how this whole thing got leaked. But, yeah, you know, listen, quite honestly, the first time I heard that audio was when it was played on Off the Bench earlier. And it, and it definitely... I don't want to call it a nothing burger because it is just her trying to talk through a very difficult situation and she's tiptoeing around landmines when she's, when she's giving her opinion on the whole thing. And, yeah, you can read into it a little further and go, what is she trying to say here? What is she really coming out saying? But at the end of the day, we're just we're just circling around what we've been talking about for, for three weeks now and maybe even longer about the whole Joe Mixon situation. Right. Is that the, the current situation of him making $12 million cannot stand. That is, there's 12 routes you can go down when it comes to this Joe Mixon situation. And the one that cannot happen is we go into next year – with him getting the exact same pay that he's currently, you know, due to get twelve million dollars, and I think everyone knows that. Right. Joe Mixon is looking in the mirror, and he knows that. He maybe he's holding out hope, like maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe I'm worth twelve million dollars. I don't know, but I think even he knows that that's the one route that cannot happen here. Right. So we're just circling around the same conversation that we're always having, and you're right. I think it tells a lot about in that second day. I don't think the Bengals are going to take a running back day one in the draft. But that second day, second and third round, we'll figure out all we need to know about Joe Mixon and whether he's coming back or not. Because that's the real question. Not that he's going to be making $12 million. Is is he going to take the pay cut or is he just going to get cut straight up? It's it's cut two ways. Yeah, and they're not going to know the decision or the Bengals aren't going to know the decision until after draft. And that's what this comes down to. So it's a simple it's a simple solution. It's pretty cut and dry at this point for me. The Bengals are going to buy their time because they can. They're going to wait until the draft comes. They're going to fin- find out what they decide they want to do from that, that running back room on draft day. And then after draft day is when the Cincinnati Bengals will meet with Mixon and they'll either cut him completely or they'll try to renegotiate the deal. And they have all the leverage. We know this. The Cincinnati Bengals have all the leverage when it comes to Joe Mixon because you have to ask the question if you're Joe Mixon, what other team is going to pay me more than the Cincinnati Bengals is the main question I would have. I don't know if we have that answer off the top of our head, but let's be frank, Casey. You know this league pretty well. How many, how many teams are looking for a free agent, free agent running back that's 28 years old? Or is he 26 or 28? 26. So 26, going to be 27 years old, which is rel- still, I think that's, to be fair to Joe, there's some years left. I don't think he's completely on the on the deep end here, but you still got to find somewhere that wants to pay you and somewhere that wants to, that not only wants to pay you more than the Bengals, but also has room in their running back room. Yeah, and I mean, also like most of those teams by the end of the draft will have spent to the cap. Or they'll probably be targeting other positions that other players will get cut after the draft that are more important, like edge rusher or tackle or whatever. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're pretty much hitting the, the, the nail right on the head here. They're going to wait until the draft. I don't think they 
The reason why she said it that way is because they don't know if they'll get a guy in the draft. Maybe they don't, and then they, they want to keep him. So that's kind of like, in a way, it's smart. It's it's uh, I know it sounded really bad, but you know I think one, it's not supposed to be leaked, and I'm not sure if we go back to that like. Well, Steve said it was Kelsey Conway, which she's she's her job is safe. I, I, and Jay Morrison was there asking questions as well, not to cut you yeah. off, Casey. But I mean, so so it's clear that that there was more people there. There was more people there than just her. I just wonder, you know, maybe, maybe, who knows? Maybe it wasn't quote unquote leaked. It just it felt that way, right? Because usually you we don't hear from her a lot. Like we don't hear her voice. We usually just read her words. So I don't know. I think you you hit the Nail around the head, though. Yep. Everett says, no Masters topic. Hey, listen, I will uh, conclude the show right before the wheel of lunch with 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 a little Masters talk. Listen, I love the Masters. I was going to ask Tom before the show started. I forgot to ask him for off the bench if he's a Masters kind of guy. Um, don't know if he tunes in on the Thursdays and Fridays or if he's just one of those Sunday afternoons the Masters is on, so I'm just going to flip him on kind of guys. Because you have you almost have uh, sports, fans or, sports fans in general are cut between those two cloths, in my opinion. You have people that love it, like myself, who are going to eat it up, and they're going to watch probably all four days as many as many holes as they possibly can. They're going to get on the Masters app, and they're going to watch. And then you have people that, quite frankly, it is what it is. They'll 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 see the ESPN leaderboard on Saturday. They'll keep an eye on it. They'll know who it is. And then Sunday comes around, and at about 3 o'clock, they'll flip on the channel, and they'll watch the last nine or ten holes of the Masters and see who wins, and then they move on. And uh, I think... That's pretty much cut and dry of the two types of people that watch the Masters. I told this story to Spur earlier, and I put it in the chat, but I was out getting beers with uh, my father-in-law last night, and he's a he's a great great guy. Doesn't care a lick about sports. Like He's very into other stuff. Mm-hmm. But he drops this story on me because he sees on the, the TV the, the Masters commercial going up there. He's like, oh, yeah, Masters is this week. When I was a... When I was in the army, we were stationed down there in Augusta, Georgia, two straight, two straight springs, and yeah, I went to I went to the practice round two straight years uh, for five dollars or something like that. And I was like, man, I have been with your daughter for ten years. I've discussed so many stories, and now you're just throwing on. He's yeah, I've been to Augusta National twice, just just out of nowhere, just threw it on there. And he's like, yeah, it's a it's a really nice course. And I was like, Scott, you're I think I think you're undermining it just a tad bit here. Blew my mind that I've never heard that story that he's been to Augusta twice. So Augusta National, uh, for those that don't know, back in the day, they actually used to go around and they used to try to uh, give away tickets, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, they would travel kind of all over the region and they would try to give away tickets to get people to come down there and check it out. And, you know, it's one of those situations where, yes, the course is nice, but they had this perfect storm between the fact that the TV coverage of the Masters picked up, and I feel like anytime TV gets involved and they want to make it a bigger deal than maybe the, it was before, mm-hmm. TV is like this accelerator. It's the it's the proverbial gas on the fire of any type of event. So the Masters became a thing. Ticket prices, my dad used to say, were thirty five dollars not that long ago to watch. You know, a Wednesday practice round. I checked ticket prices to watch a Wednesday practice round this year just because I was interested curious um 800 and about 50 dollars so prices have changed just the, to the past 40 years since he since he i i know i actually think that my dad went when he was uh just out of college that was 20 years ago somewhere in there really? so uh, yeah it wasn't like i think the masters have just blown up some of that's tiger woods if we're being quite frank i think tiger woods elevated golf to a whole new level um you can love him or hate him doesn't matter tiger woods genuinely raised the level of golf interest by tenfold and now i think golf broadcast as i've brought this up before i know i keep saying it television is a very important thing when they started to be able to put the shot tracer live on the screen for golf tournaments and they be able, they were they were able to kind of get what i would call the elevation of broad uh, golf broadcasts that has been night and day comparatively speaking to 15 years ago even 10 years ago. Golf broadcasts are unbelievably better now, and that's why it's grown, because it's a little more digestible when you watch it. It's much more accessible, and at the end of the day, I think the biggest 
accelerator for any sports league is television. I think you need to bend over backwards to try to please those those television providers because screens are more and more and more and more and more addicting and important to the younger generations as ever before. You know, my grandparents could go a week probably without looking at a screen. If I went five hours without my son trying to find a screen, I think he would go crazy. Now, you could argue whether that's good or a bad thing. I think there's a healthy balance between the two, but screens are important, and television is a screen. And at the end of the day, I hope Major League Baseball realizes that sooner than later because I think that their product, not to jump all over the globe, and I know Final Four is the subject matter right now, but Major League Baseball, they have a product right now that I think is actually pretty good. I can sit down and watch a baseball game now, and I actually think there's some pace to it. And I'm not trying to say that it's all because of the pitch clock, but it's certainly a lot to do with the pitch clock. I think the three batter rule is incredibly great because you don't have the situation where you, you bring a one guy in for a lefty, and the next thing you know, you take him out, and then you, then you bring somebody else in, and the inning takes 35 minutes. Um, so overall thoughts on just the fact that they need to get this thing on a television screen because the product's good enough now. Sir, Sir Boy actually uh, quote tweeted us, you, me, and uh, Nick Kirby, uh, tweet from Jeff Passan about the MLB the first opening weekend and said that the first opening weekend from last year to this year, the games have been cut down by 30 minutes, 30 full minutes. The batting average has ticked up 15 points. The on-base percentage has ticked up 20 points. Now that stuff could just be small sample size. Yeah. But stolen bases have multiplied by, by nearly three. There were 30 stolen bases last year through the first weekend. There were 70 this first weekend. So their rule changes already showing a dramatic, dramatic improvement to the game and the watchability. I, there's no question. In fact, I think it's probably the greatest rule change that's happened to sports in the last 20 years. Now, that sounds like somebody's going to say, oh, that's an overreaction. I don't think it's an overreaction at all because it's changed fundamentally the way the game is watched and perceived to the public at a whole that, uh, that has long drawn the conclusion that baseball is boring and baseball with more stolen bases and on the, and on the opposite side, which is just the flow of a game looks and feels much better with the pitch clock. All right, final four. Uh, I do feel incredibly bad for FAU. I know Tom mentioned that on his show. I thought FAU outplayed San Diego State for the vast majority of that game. There was a five-minute stretch, six-minute stretch, where FAU, they just they just kind of lost their identity for a minute. I thought they took some bad shots. They let San Diego State get back into the game. And then if you let someone hang around, we've said this all the time, you let someone hang around for long enough, and there's always the opportunity they can sneak up and bite you at the very end, and that's what happened with San Diego State. Butler hitting an incredible shot that will probably go down as one of March Madness uh, um, historical replay runs that you're going to see for the next 10 years when the highlight clips come up of March Madness. Uh, Jenkins' three from Villanova is always right there, and now the, now Butler's uh, is going to have his, his image immortalized, I'm sure. And one cool thing to note, Jim Nance got a standing ovation, as he rightfully should have, for the Final Four. Uh, tonight is probably going to be a little bit of an emotional scene, I would assume, for him. You've been calling something for I don't know how long, if you know off the top of your head, Paul, was a 34 probably years, I, I want to say. Uh, 34 years he's been calling the, the Final Four and National Championship games. He then has to turn around and obviously call the Masters uh, on, on Sunday. And Jim Nance... For as much as everybody always complains about broadcasters and play-by-play -play guys and, you know, you like this guy, you hate this guy, Jim Nance probably for me is the voice for so many things that were important to me as I'd grown up. And the Final Four and March Madness itself is one of those, and certainly the Masters is another one. Thankfully for us golf fans, he's not leaving the Masters. Um but I don't know. It'll be a little bit different. Have they announced his replacement? I'm assuming it's going to be Ian Eagle. Or it is. It's going to be Ian Eagle. So, and, and Ian Eagle's great. So we're not really. I don't want to say we're not losing anything at all. Uh, but Jim Nance, what a life he's lived too. I, I know he was talking about how grateful he's been. But just uh, think about all the all the moments. Not only has he called, but he's got to witness and live and in the flesh. And, yeah, between. March Madness, golf, the NFL, everything he's ever done. I mean, he was Houston forever. 
yeah, he's been around for a lot of the biggest moments that you can think of, especially in college basketball. But now even as he's done more in the NFL and, of course, the Masters. There's a lot of moments where you think, I remember that for a long time. Oh, yeah, that was, that was Jim Nance. That was Jim Nance. Do you think you come become numb to it? Yes. Right? Like, do you think, like, he – I mean, he can recognize and say out loud and say, like, oh, yeah, I'm so blessed. But do you think, like, all these moments just mesh together? It's just – you think they mean anything to Jim Nance, I guess, is what you're saying. It means something to us because we remember it. But does it mean anything to the man who's presenting these moments? I think so just because of – he comes across as somebody that really truly cares deeply about a lot of this, especially golf. Maybe not so much the Final Four. Maybe not so much bas college basketball, I guess I should say, although that would be arguably something that he's most recognized for over – I mean, golf. Like People watch the majors, but how many people are really tuning into the Valero Open every – I mean, I know he wasn't doing that because he's doing the Final Four, but you right. get what I mean. Yeah. I would say probably sport-wise now, would you put Nance rec recognizability? That's not a word, but you know what I'm getting at. Would you put Nance with his football over college basketball? I wouldn't, but would you put – because I don't – when I think of the NFL with Jim Nance, I can't think – and maybe I'm just blanking right now because I'm doing this on the spot. I can't think of a memorable Nance moment that I think, oh, that's – NFL Nance moment because I think Patriots Super Bowl that was Buck a lot of the a lot of the big Super Bowls that I'm thinking of were Buck the the Patriots with the Seahawks that was Al Michaels I'm trying to think of a CBS Super Bowl I mean I guess last year with the Bengals in Kansas City as it relates to Bengals fans mm -hmm. he did the Kansas City game but I'm just trying to think of a a a, a transcendental NFL moment that Jim Nance has done. And there could be one that I'm just very clearly missing. Yeah. Well, I mean, the NFL is so big that I think that if you're going to, if you're at, if the question is based off of how many more people know him for his NFL calls over his NCAA final four and, or the masters, I think the question, the answer is the NFL. And that's just because the product is so big. I think if you boiled it down to where's the biggest juice squeeze ratio, um, it's really close for the Final Four and Masters. The only reason I say the Masters is because he's been the only guy for yeah. so long right. he, that, yeah, that he, he is. is the voice. Right, so yeah. it's like the Final Four sometimes, you know, the greatest games of the tournament aren't always in the specific Final Four, whereas the Masters is what it is. It's, it's, it's him and it's only him. Now you could argue, and, and rightfully so, that the biggest call of the Masters in the last 20 years doesn't even belong to him with Vern Lundquist in the 16th hole with Tiger Woods' chip. So you could make that argument, and I would say, you know what, you're probably right. But all in all, I guess I just wanted to at least put a footnote there that this is Jim Nance's last call on the microphone tonight. Uh, UConn against San Diego State. I think it's going to be a good game. I really do. I think San Diego State's one of those teams that can muck up a game. They are physical enough to handle UConn and their length and how strong and big and athletic UConn can be at times. I think San Diego State can match that. I'm not suggesting that San Diego State's going to win the game, but I would be careful laying seven and a half points because that's a lot of that's a lot of basketball points in a big game. Um, you know, you might think UConn's dominating the game, and they might. They might be up by 12, but there's always an opportunity when you got seven and a half points laying out there from a vault standpoint, Bedfred Sportsbook. There's always the, there was the opportunity of a backdoor cover with seven and a half points, no matter how good you feel. You will not feel good about that bet unless UConn is up by 15 or 20 points. Think of it like that. Right. I mean, if UConn's up by 12 with two and a half minutes left, you're still going to be sweating out that bet a little bit. Uh, that's why I always say when you got those big lines, unless you think UConn's going to win by 15 plus, you're going to be sweating a little bit. Um, Lineup card just submitted by David Bell for your Cincinnati Reds. Jonathan India will be leaning off playing second base. Spencer Steer playing third base in the two-hole. Will Myers in the three-hole playing first base. Tyler Stevenson DHing, hitting fourth. Kevin Newman at shortstop, hitting fifth. Spencer Fairchild is hitting sixth in left field. Yeah, what do we got here? Malley is catching. Barrero is in center field. And TJ Friedel. Uh, I believe is in right, correct? I don't know. I, I can't see the last uh, position. Since Will Myers is playing first base, that means T.J. Vredel has to be in right field. 
considering Spencer Fairchild's in left field. I'm just, this is just, this is what they tell you in math and, or actually they tell you when you're test taking process of elimination. That's what I just tried to do right there. Stuart Fairchild probably had a, a whirlwind of a last week. No was, doubt about he was it, man. Down, he was sitting down to the minors. Yeah. And he gets a call, what, the day before? Spring training. They sent him down like a week before camp right. broke that he was going to be optioned to AAA. So he went to minor league camp. And then the day before, I the think night opening before. day. Well, he went two night. I think it was two days before opening day because he was a part of the scrimmages the day before opening day, and he was wearing number seventeen. So and he got to play in opening day. So good for Stewart. Yeah, no doubt. And his girlfriend or or wife or I think it's his girlfriend, fiance. I'm not sure which one is on. Uh, she's like she's becoming like a TikTok star. Yeah, she's TikTok famous. She's sure. a, she's That's, a TikTok famous. I actually who her name's Hannah Randall. And I watched her TikTok. She's got this shtick where she asked him, like, like she knows nothing about baseball, and she asked him, like, why does the pitcher stand on a hill and stuff, like, dumb questions. And and I'd watched her TikToks for, like, a month. And then eventually looked up. I was like, all right, who's this Hannah Randall's uh, boyfriend? And it was like, oh, he's a red. It just happened to be Stuart Fairchild. So, oh, I've seen – yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've yeah, seen that. TikTok famous. But – I. <laughs> How do you feel about the opening weekend for the Reds? Lost opening day, took two or three, and all three of your starting pitchers looked good. I mean, I know Hunter Green only went three and a third, but he still struck out eight guys in that three and a third. Yeah, of all the guys, uh, the top three, the one that I have the biggest question marks for in my for myself is Hunter Green. I'm not saying I'm not sold on the guy. I just don't think that he has anywhere near the pitchability of a Lodolo and or Ashcraft. In fact, I think I'm not just saying this because yesterday uh, Ashcraft went uh, seven innings uh, with uh, only you know one run given up. I I almost think I liken him more than any of them. And uh, Green's one of those guys that can go out and overpower people. I get it. He has the quote unquote best stuff, but I just don't know if I trust him as much in a big game as I do the other two guys. There's certainly a degree of, I don't want to call I don't know the right word, bias or stuff like that, because you hear so much about Hunter Green that you almost, you hold him, you, you scrutinize him more than the other two because you expect more out of Hunter Green to where, like, they could all have the same performance. All go, I don't know, six innings, two runs given up. But you will say, Nick Lodolo and Graham Ashcraft looked better because you expect a little bit more out of Hunter Green. I mean, you, you've played on baseball teams. You, you've been a coach. You've done the thing. When there's the star on the player, he's held to a higher standard, right? And I, and I think Hunter Green is maybe going to be held to a higher standard. He certainly has that stuff, but he will always be scrutinized more so than Nick Lodolo and Graham Ashcraft. And maybe rightfully so, right? Because he does have the ability to be a Cy Young guy while the other two, maybe their ceilings are all-stars, right? So you hold him to a higher standard. Yeah. I, well, listen, anytime guys are throwing 102 consistently, 103, and then they, then they stat cast, I know pulled it back, but they get, they get quote unquote, 105 mile an hour um, on a radar gun. There's going to be people that are fringe baseball watchers that are going to eventually have his name ingrained in the fact that he's the best pitcher. When in reality, in my opinion, I've watched Hunter Green enough now to where I have this sense that I think two things that are that are true. One is I don't know if Hunter has proven to me yet to be able to be a guy that can get deep into games if he doesn't have his best stuff. And you're not going to have your quote-unquote best stuff all the time, if at all. I don't want to say if at all, but very rarely do you have your best stuff going into a game. On top of that, I don't know... If uh, if if Hunter Green is 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 not as hittable as people think, like he gets hit hard at times. I don't know if it's just that his fastball is straight, and I know this sounds ridiculous in saying that a 102 mile an hour fastball is easy to hit. I don't think that it is. I don't want right. to sound like an absolute lunatic over here, but I just think sometimes he gets hit harder than the other guys do, and. No, maybe it's recency bias on my part and thinking that the guy only got, you know, through three innings on opening day. But when you're pitch out or not pitch out, when you're strikeout heavy, you're going to throw more pitches, which makes it a little more difficult for you to get deeper into games. 
you can like one way over the other. Listen, if all three of those guys stay healthy, the Cincinnati Reds are going to be they're going to be in a position where they're going to win more games than people think. I believe that wholeheartedly. This offense is probably still a pretty big question mark. So far, opening weekend, if we're being quite frank, we're getting production out of guys we never dreamed of getting production out of. And that's the way that you have to probably overachieve in a season like this. Guys like Fossler, who you never heard of before opening day, are getting big hits. They're hitting home runs. They're getting, you know, for all intents and purposes, Vossler had a great day yesterday. Not in the lineup today, but we'll see. I'm not going to get my hopes up too high, but again, I'm going to go back to this, what I'm going to say all year. I'm not going to be on the show a lot, but for Chatterbox Reds' perspective, Matt McLean's having a hell of a start to his career in AAA. It's another level up for him, but he's having a hell of a start. We'll see if Ellie De La Cruz looks good when he becomes healthy. Encarnacion Strand's the best player that the Reds had in Major League Camp. Uh, you can be as pessimistic as you want. I get it. I see some people in the chat in here already. They're they're, they're complaining about Viking helmets. They're 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 complaining about the 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 Reds and how they're going to fall apart and how they're how they're a, a disgrace to the franchise. If that's the way you want to be, that's fine. I I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to try to convince you otherwise. I'm just going to tell you though right now that the Cincinnati Reds have some legit prospects coming up and they're and they're not that far away. He's already it's not like I'm begging you to believe in Edwin Arroyo who, for all intents and purposes, a lot of people in the organization love as much. Second, I guess he's second in line to Ellie De La Cruz. He is in single A. I'm not asking you to believe in that guy. I'm asking you to believe in the guy that's a triple A right now, who's getting on base half the time, who was a who was a first round pick in Matt McLean. That's who I'm asking you to probably believe in. We'll see. All right. Uh, the Cubs. What 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 I what am I get to see? Do I I got I know I, I dig it a lot, Reed. I do admire the fact that you love the Cubs this much. I I I, I know that there's probably uh, some more digs coming my way from time to time because sure. I can do that and why not do it when I'm when when I can. Uh, you guys have Smiley pitching today. Drew Smiley, who has been pretty productive over the past two years, won a World Championship two years ago with the Braves, and then pitched for the. The, Red, or the Cubs last year and had about a three-and-a-half ERA, and he's just a guy in the back end of the rotation that's going to get 130 innings, 140 innings, and if he stays on the field, he's just a solid pitcher. Sometimes he's going to give up nine runs. Sometimes he's going to shut you down for six innings. Just what you get with Drew Smiley. He's at the end of his 33. He's been in the league for 10 years, just a veteran. Um, the, the fun game this week is going to be Wednesday when it's Marcus Stroman versus Hunter Green, and you got one guy throwing 102 miles an hour and the other guy throwing right around 90 and Marcus Stroman, which is kind of the M.O. of the Cubs. But listen, the Cubs are in a – I mean, they don't have as much prospects, as many prospects as the Reds do, but they've got a lot that they're excited about, and there's a lot of pushback about the, the team that the Cubs have put out there so far and these, these older guys like Eric Hosmer and, and Cody Bellinger and, and Miles Mastropiono, whatever his name is playing when we have Christopher Morrell and all these young guys, Matt Mervis and Pete Crow Armstrong, Brennan Davis, all these young, exciting players that, you, you know, you're ready to see, you want to see. And, and we're throwing out 33-year-old Eric Cosmer who's 0 for 7 and, and struck out in half his at-bats and Cody Bellinger who's 0 for 11 in his first 11 at-bats. and He's a previous All-Star though, Reader. His previous MVP. Oh, my bad. Even MVP. Yeah. 46 home runs. You know, it's it's hard to tell what we saw from the Cubs this past weekend because they played the best best rotation in, in the NL Central and Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff, and Corbin Burns. But we'll see a lot more out of it. I'm, I'm still excited. I truly think that the Cubs will compete for a wild card spot this year. And I know that's crazy in the NL because of all the teams that are in the East and the West. But I think that this team can win 84, 85 games and, and play some exciting baseball in September. Man, I'm and I appreciate you getting me tickets for today's game. No I really, problem. I really do appreciate it. I love. I, I I can't wait for you to go down there and watch Connor uh, Connor Overton. Uh, you know, really deal. It's one of those how things. Did, where, how did you end up with Connor Overton as as the fourth starter? Well, don't worry about it. The same way that you ended up with uh, Smiley as your fourth starter. At the end of the day, my thought process is this: I just got excited. I'm gonna tell you why I got really excited. I just Reed Mouse is out here. He's saying. And he's very knowledgeable, probably the most knowledgeable baseball guy I know. He's telling us 
the Chicago Cubs have a chance to play for a playoff spot this year. And I looked down at my Betfred Sportsbook app today, and I seen that the Cincinnati Reds are throwing Connor Overton with this you know, matchup lineup that we got going out there. And it's basically a pick em today. Basically a pick em. Now, one could argue it's because the Reds are in a homestand, and they've been at home, right. and the, the, the Cubs are not. But the fact that the that the playoff playoff bound Chicago Cubs are coming into town with Connor Overton on the mound and the Cincinnati Reds are a pick 'em, I'm feeling pretty good about that as a Reds fan. I mean, to be fair to the Cubs, the Cubs have a couple, you know, important pieces on the injured list. Not that most teams don't, but like Seiya Suzuki's on the injured list, Kyle Hendricks is on the injured list. Um, I'm looking at it right now. Those are the first two that came to mind. I'm trying to find their roster, but does Kyle Hendrickson have like a uh... Kyle Hendricks? Is it Hendricks? I'm sorry. Yep. Not. I was thinking of Trey Hendrickson. Um, is he like AARP at this point? What, what, what age are we at? Kyle Hendricks. He's probably 35. I mean, that's like the Chicago Cubs. I mean, what's it matter when the dude throws 88 miles an hour? I mean, when you when you throw your changeup and half your pitches as he does. Right. Rich Hill looked good the other day too. You might He's, you might you guys might be able to get him with the deadline. 32 years old. 32 years old is how old Kyle Hendricks is. Gotcha. So, well, maybe maybe the Cubs will get Rich Hill at the deadline when they make their playoff push and all will be well on the north side of Chicago. But tonight they have to go to Great American Ballpark and face Connor Overton, and that's going to be a problem for them. Wheel of lunch, fellas. I'm gonna do wheel of lunch one more time here with you. Like I said, I don't know. Uh, th th this isn't a this isn't a uh, goodbye. It'll be a see you later for a little while until uh, until we got some. Like I said, so hopefully big news coming for Chatterbox. But I appreciate all of you guys. I'll Sonic. Be, I'll be in the uh, I'll be in the Discord. You're not gonna not hear from me. Sonic. Rich Hill is a bum. Rich Hill struggled the other day. That's for sure. Rich Hill is one of those guys when he was throwing. Me sitting there at 30-whatever years old I am at this point, I can't even know. I don't even remember how old I am. Stop counting. I actually thought to myself that if you gave me 10 at-bats against Rich Hill, I'm getting hit. <laughs> I'm going to get one hit. I feel pretty good about that. Um, Let's see here. Rich Hill's hilarious because he came up with the Cubs when they made their playoff runs back in 2007, 2008. This was the, the rotation for the Cubs when Rich Hill first came up. You ready for this? I'm listening. Mark Pryor, Kerry Wood, Carlos Zambrano, Ted Lilly. And I'm sure Greg Maddox got, got in there at some point. Just, just some old names. That's how long Rich Hill's been, been around the game. I'd be curious to know. You, I'm, sure you, I'm, sure you can, um, mm -hmm. I'm sure you can dig this up as fast as you can. What was the... What was the year salary for Kerry Wood the year that Rich Hill was was playing for them? And what's Rich Hill's salary this year? Rich Hill this year is making $8 million. Yeah. How much was Kerry Wood? By, which at the time, to be clear, right, Kerry Wood was... Kerry Wood was a closer, so he was at the... It was, it was after he had some, some injuries and stuff like that. So he was, he was tailing, okay. tailing in of his career. Well, then what was his... I want to know what peak Kerry Wood was getting paid. Pete Carey Wood in 2006 made his most most amount of money that he made was $12 million. $12 million. Yep. Incredible. Yep. Not that that's not a not a big deal. It's only it's $4 million. I shouldn't say it's only $4 million. <laughs> the, but. the craziest one that I've ever looked up was Nolan Ryan, who was in the league for 27 years. When he was a rookie on that Mets team, that the Miracle Mets that won the World Series, he made six, it was six or $60,000. By the end of his career, he was making a million and was like the highest paid guy. But he came in making like $6,000 in like 1966. Casey, can I do a few vetoes here? Or do we want to just keep adding? We can keep adding. <laughs> I mean, this has got to be a big wheel, right? This is, All right. This is, this is going to be a big wheel. wheel. All right. Throw, throw Chipotle up on there. Panda Express should be on there. Uh, are, are we in the trust tree here? Oh, no. I didn't like it. I gave it another. Casey and I gave it another shot. It wasn't good. Oh, mm. come on, guys. I'm not saying like I what won't did you ever get? go back. What I will. I will say this. I got I've it. Some, it That's a dollar. I've had it twice, and their sides have been old. You can just tell oh, they've been sitting man, out for a while. Yeah. I've tried both. The no orange. I don't know. What'd you get? You had lo mein twice. I had lo mein twice. I haven't tried the rice yet. 
Okay. But I did the orange chicken and the Brazilian beef. Mm. Didn't like it. I'm an orange chicken. Twice. I thought the orange chicken was good. I mean, it's, it's okay. It's all right. All right, but throw it on there. I just, I hey, just, hey, just so you know, did yeah. you see that? What? I, I, this is pertinent to you, Reed. Very important for you. Last chance for free MLB.tv. Find out how you can score free MLB TV. Switch to T-Mobile today and stream your team season all season long. So I got to switch you, to T-Mobile today. I don't know if you need to switch, but you need to just see if you have to opt in. You need to double check on that. You have T-Mobile, correct? I do have T-Mobile. So you need to look into that. Right. I just looked up Nolan Ryan's uh, contract. As a 19-year-old for the New York Mets in 1966, he made $3,600 for the season. As a 46-year-old... For the Texas Rangers in 1992, he made $4.2 million. Brutal. Good for him. He made more money his final year in the league than he did in his first 12. Hey, business was booming. Free ad for T-Mobile, too, by the way. That's all right. I got a good deal with him. I'll never leave. That's what he said. I'll never leave. That's never say never. Sonic. They had a commercial. I know this is going to make the player formerly known as Mouth Cop relatively happy. This is a real thing that happened on Sunday. Firehouse. Oh, uh, there was a commercial that was ran on Sunday. I don't know what I was watching because I was all over the place between the Valero Open, NASCAR, and uh, the Women's Championship. But there was a Sonic commercial, and I thought to myself, ah, player, player formerly known as Mouth Cop would be happy, but look how terrible that looks. What a god-awful place Sonic is. Throw no lunch up there. Just for oh, a little, man. just for a little fun on the last day. We're gonna spice this up. All right, this wheel is gonna take every bit of. This is gonna take us a little bit. Every bit of three minutes, which means one thing: we ended the show perfectly, right on time. All right. And Canes is gonna be out. It was nice to know you. I love the chatter, the little claps they give you. We can't hear. Casey's got to go I'm find sure it. Nice software. Oh, oh firehouse is out. Why did we put two good options next to each other? Oh, he's mad about it. Oh. <laughs> Rigged wheel. It doesn't matter if they're next to each other. That's probability, brother. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Well. All right, that's fine. McDonald's. See ya. Shout out filet of fish. I'm just gonna start randomly saying one great thing that's from every single place. As they get knocked out of the wheel of lunch breakdown. Taco Bell, please stay. Penn Station. Oh, East Coast subs. They got uh sponsor. Yeah, they got a solid uh solid fry. At least the ham and egg desk says they're a sponsor. Alright. Arby's, the old beef and cheddar. Can't go wrong. Number one. Arby's is underrated. McDonald's is hit or miss, man. I'll tell you that right now. You can get a great McDonald's order. Oh, no, no. lunch. No lunch. Sonic, that's right, so good. close I can't tell. Sonic. Oh, no. Oh, man. Oh, no. I thought oh, we Oh, man. I thought we had. Oh, no. Yep. Oh, no. I thought that was Burger no King. Lunch. Burger King had the uh, they had the best chicken sandwich out of the bunch when everybody was uh, the doing chicken. their chicken sandwich thing. The chicken. Of course, they got rid of it because it was too good. What about McDonald's rebranding their chicken sandwich? What about a swing and a miss that they had? From Keep the going. Wendy's. The old Dave's double. Can't go wrong there. No lunch is hanging around a little too long. Here. Yeah, Richards looks great too. I'd like to keep Richards around till net till, till, till it did. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't worry, Trace Jinxes don't exist. Yeah, they don't. Golly day. <laughs> All right, that's that's skyline. I'm I'm cool with that. I had if we're being honest. No lunches hanging around here, boys. No lunches just kind of hanging it's in the background. Still, speaking of, of eating. Ah! Oh, no. See you, Jersey Mike's. No. Should we go to the Eagle tonight? Big time. To be fair, there's not really an option spot. on here that I wouldn't I be happy with. Had it at our uh, rehearsal dinner. And there goes Panda. Oh! Oh! That's Panda, right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. This no lunch has got to go. No lunch has got to get out of here. 
It's not. There goes Culver's. Nice knowing you. We have a Culver's team. sneaky good fish sandwich. If you didn't know. With twenty-five percent chance of being hungry here. Wow. Yeah, there we, oh, there we, there go. we go. There it. we go. Needed, Needed it. How we win. Needed it. I would prefer Taco Bell to go next. Yeah. I, I got to wait a week for Taco Bell. Next Monday, I get my Baja Blast back. Come on. No. no. Oh, no. I know you've been. So we're going south of the border. Either way. We are. Good, good call on that ball. Oh, man, they're the same color, too. Yeah, just watch it land right in the middle. <laughs> oh, what is it? <laughs> Electric no factory. Oh, no oh, oh, what? That one got eliminated. We're going to Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The fact that 50 of you are still singing around here watching us just spin a wheel is, is, uh, is you know, that's what makes Chatterbox and you, all of you. You basically are Chatterbox. That's who you are. You're great. Until next time, which I don't know for me when that will be, I'll keep in touch with you all through the Discord chat, of course. And uh, <laughs> if you if you uh, want to watch Chatterbox Reds, I didn't die. No, oh. I'm not dead. I'm just not coming back on Box Lunch for quite some time. We'll see. Um, what was I going to say? Chatterbox Reds, live after every game. Nick Kirby and myself from time to time breaking it down. Boo. But you know what? The beautiful thing is they play the Chicago Cubs today, mm -hmm. which means we have a chance to win. If we were playing a good team, I don't know how I'd feel about it, but we're not. So let's take these wins when we can get them. Tonight, Connor Overton is going to deal. He's going to send us in to one more game above 500 and another game closer to being in the lead, which we already are in the NL Central, than the lovable losers of Chicago. And I've said it before. They got one of those things right. And it's not lovable. Take care, everybody.